You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, christianhumanist.org. Satan, your kingdom must come down. Satan, your kingdom must come down. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Satan, your kingdom must come down. Gonna break. Hey everybody, this is Danny Anderson welcoming you to another episode of the Sectarian Review Podcast. Uh, if you like the show, if you like what you hear, go ahead and tell your friends about it on social media. That helps a lot of other people find us. And by all means, go to iTunes and give us a review to fiddle with their algorithm and more people will find us that way as well. Um, speaking of fiddling with algorithms and that kind of thing, today we're going to uh, jump back or stay actually in the kind of realm of conspiracy. Recently we had an episode on cultural Marxism which um, Derek Varn convincingly um, detailed this kind of anti-Semitic roots as a conspiracy theory and how it's been kind of mainstreamed in certain circles. Uh, this is a bit of a parallel topic we have going on today. We're going to be talking about Alex Jones, um, not necessarily uh, any specific thing that he said, but um, his deplatforming that's been going on uh, across social media and the way he's been pulled off of virtually every um, major um, social media um, platform in the re- in recent months. So joining me today is my fellow conspiracy enthusiast, uh, Jordan Poss. <laughs> Jordan's been on a show before. We had a couple episodes about conspiracy before. We'll be doing something uh, upcoming for, fairly soon about John Birch uh, with Jay Eldred. Mm-hmm. He'll he'll join us. So we've got a uh, a theme going here with Jordan. Yeah. I don't want to make him. I don't want to like uh, pigeonhole him as conspiracy guy, Jordan Poss. <laughs> but uh, for this show, he's he helps me out with these topics. Jordan, how you doing? Well, Good. Well, the very the very second time I was ever on here. Well, the first time was Trump, right? Two years ago, which seems like an eternity now. Uh, and then the very second time was that two parter we did just on conspiracy theories in general, which I keep thinking about in in, uh, in relation to Alex Jones and all this. Because I think we I think we talked about him a little bit back then, but not not like we will today. Yes, um, for sure. Um, and on, it's really interesting to me. I mean, I guess. If some people, some people, I think appreciate the quirkiness of our show and the way we sort of <laughs> jump around from serious topic to not serious topic, religious topic to you know leftist political topic or whatnot. Um, it, it maybe seem a little schizophrenic, I think, to some people. If that's not <laughs> ableist, excuse me. Um, but also, I, um, I I think there's something about conspiracy as a worldview, as an approach mm-hmm. to life that is applicable to other things, right? That uh, oh, yeah. I think we all sort of replicate conspiratorial patterns of thought uh, mm-hmm. in ways that we're not aware of. And I think by exploring conspiracy theories, I think we learn a lot about the kind of straight world. And so, oh, yeah. yeah, so that's kind of why I'm well, interested I mean, it's, in it. Well, I think we talked about this two years ago, but I mean, conspiracy theories are basically an epistemological problem. I don't know if I said that correctly or not. Uh-huh. Just, I mean, it's, it's how do you know what you know? Because mm-hmm. it's, it's, I mean, at, at some at some certain point, you just with a diehard conspiracy theorist like a like a Alex Jones type, you just kind of have to give up, yeah. you know, because because <laughs> there there's an unbridgeable chasm, you know, and it, and it has to do with like a literal 
worldview. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. No, no. And, and actually, I'm teaching a class on detective fiction this semester. Mm-hmm. And we just started this week and I had them read. I'm starting with kind of foundational things. This is sort of my way of doing uh, business. And we read um, The Mystery of Marie Roger by Edgar Allan yeah. Poe, which is yeah. a terrible story, frankly. It's just, <laughs> it's basically a guy shouting fake news at the newspapers and then you don't know what happens at the end of the mystery. So it's a terrible story, but um, but it sets the patterns really interestingly for the, that genre as it is to come. But mm-hmm. basically what he's doing, uh, um, uh, what's the guy's, uh, Dupin as the d- yeah. detective in that story, basically all he does is debunk um, conspiracy theories that the newspapers have printed about uh, a mysterious murder that's taken place. Um, and it's apparently based on a real story that it, from New York that he translated into French or into mm-hmm. France. And, but, um, so it's basically he's exercising critical thinking about how we perceive facts, that epistemological right. problem that you're talking about. And so mm-hmm. that's exactly where I went with my class is this is a story about epistemology and, and how mm-hmm. we, and how it is we come to know the things we know and right. is there a, a set way to do that? So uh, it's a handy coincidence for what we're doing, but I, and, and so Alex Jones is a very difficult person to defend, right? Uh, yes. And so, <laughs> but I will say with him gone, we're not going to have um, the pleasure of this anymore. I was told by a genetic engineer about a project they were on in England once and I never told the story on air because it's so fantastical oh god they had in tanks people with gills and they were little babies and they were in there just gulping clawing at the sides you see a turtle at the zoo and it wants out and you feel for it they got humanoids crossed with fish and stuff I mean we are screwed, people. I mean, do you understand that? <laughs> um, so as bad as he can be and, 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 and as like poisonous as he can be, he is an extraordinarily entertaining um, yes. broadcaster, okay? And I think that if, for no other reason, I'm going to miss that kind of thing uh, yeah. going viral. Did, did he inspire The Shape of Water? <laughs> I mean, is that really good? Does Guillermo del Toro owe him royalties? I see a cultural (laughs) studies dissertation uh, (laughs) coming down the pike here. That's uh, uh, that's very very close there. It's one of my favorite Alex Jones clips, though. Yeah. Well, there's also that one, and I don't want to get too because that would be easy to rabbit trail. Of course, there's the the chemicals making the frogs gay, (laughs) and uh, there's also what is um. I just saw this somewhere again recently. Somebody auto tuning clips of Alex Jones to make him sound like a folk singer, <laughs> Yes, which is just, you know, it's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So it, yeah. yeah, he, uh, we're and, and from an entertainment level, we're going to be missing something. Right. Uh, yeah. and that is not to undermine or to, to not acknowledge the fact that he really does do cultural damage. There's like, he's mm-hmm. his work vacillates from that kind of silly entertainment stuff into conspiratorial thinking that has real world consequences. Okay. And so uh, this is why I have more questions than answers than fully formed thoughts about this topic. Um, Mm -hmm. He is somebody who is very difficult to defend. um, But 
Um, maybe he is why we need free speech on the other hand and what, right. who's going to be making these decisions. And there's all sorts of um, um, places we can go here. But uh, so that's why this is such a complicated topic. And I don't have a polemic here saying one way or the other what we should be doing. Maybe I'll come to that. Yeah, by likewise. The end. Um, <laughs> I, I have just a general sense that I'm uneasy with um, the kind of uh, uh, popular demand to pull somebody off the air uh, in, right. this, in this kind of way. So, um Let's begin a little bit just with a background of Alex Jones and his kind of career trajectory. He's kind of back in the sort of 80s. He, uh, he was just kind of your normal talk show host, kind of uh, talented, uh, inflammatory talk show host guy. Uh, and he more related kind of to the mostly... Uh, mainstream libertarian sphere, right? I mean, mm-hmm. more more conspiratorial than that can be, um, but but he's mostly associated with that. So, like the Waco, Texas uh, Branch Davidian thing is one of his first kind of yeah. public acts, right? I think he ended up um, funding a rebuilding of the church, kind of as a snub to the federal government for uh, uh, <laughs> for uh, burning it down, right? And so, um, so he's kind of more related to this kind of. Constitu- strict constructionist constitutional libertarian thinkers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's some, and then he gets involved in conspiracy theories. He's a very famous video where he infiltrates the uh, oh gosh, what's the big conspiracy out in California where the where the rich people come together and burn yes. owl? Uh, <laughs> I forget the name of it right now, but he's sort I, of, yeah, I know what, I know what you're talking about. But there's there's so many of these supposed yeah. enclaves. It's amazing. Any of the people get anything else done? Yeah, so he he sneaks into the property where this is going on and, and gets some mm-hmm. footage of that, which is actually kind of very interesting because it is. Yeah a private thing that no one really has access to. So he kind of made a contribution there. Um, and, <laughs> and then he gets into this wild frog people <laughs> or fish people yeah. conspiracy world too. So uh, his career has, has kind of morphed a little bit. It's very hot mm-hmm. in my office. So I have my window open. If you hear bells behind me, um, that's what's going on. So, um, and so, uh, but you have uh, a, a nice timeline of the specific um, trajectory of this particular controversy. So he's transcends yeah. going from just kind of a basic conspiracy theorist. Infowars is his uh, his project, his his company, which I first became aware of when I lived in Georgia. I lived quite near the Georgia Guidestones, um, yes, and that's a big uh, uh, locus for a lot of conspiracy theorists about the New World Order and depopulation oh, yeah. and all that stuff. And someone had scribbled Infowars on the the main mon- monolith that's there, and that's and I didn't know what it was at that time, and that's how I first huh. discovered Alec Jones. I looked it up, and so um, that's how I knew about him, and that's when he interesting was kind of mainstream conspiracy, if you will. Um, but then yeah. he kind of becomes rather dangerous and then we end up where we are when you want to narrate that yeah sure and and in addition to like the frog people and the, the like branch davidian stuff because i mean i you know i i remember all the talk about like the atf and and kind of general paranoia about that back in the 90s and especially after you know like the oklahoma city bombing and you know all of those things kind of feeding into that um i think we can't talk about his overall trajectory without talking about trutherism mm. um thank you because, I mean, you know, the frog people is, is entertaining, but that's kind of, I mean, that's fringe even for him. Yeah. But he, uh, it, it's kind of astonishing that I, I'm just kind of realizing this. So may, maybe help me figure out how I want to say it. The fact that his most reasonable opinions are things like trutherism. Yeah. Weirdly seems to legitimize it. Like if, if that's your, I, I guess if that's the, the point 
where he starts off semi-sane yeah. <laughs> and then departs um, kind of weirdly brings trutherism and sort of into the back door of respectability. I don't I don't. Yeah, nine eleven. Yeah, nine eleven particularly is kind of a catalyst moment for a lot of these yes. conspiracy theories, where mm-hmm. these fringe ideas about how the world is run enter right. into the mainstream and gain a bit of legitimacy. Um, yeah. Because clearly there are things that are being withheld from us about the truth of that mm-hmm. event, right? Um, and so crazy that that absence of uh, fact and and, pre- and truthful presentation leaves an opening for people like Alex Jones to invent narratives to stick in there. Yes. Right. And, and so, yeah, that's a, uh, nine uh, 11 is definitely a seminal moment. Right. And, and it's also, you know, the first event of its magnitude that happened in the age, not only of live TV coverage, uh, so that everybody could see and misinterpret what they were seeing, uh, but also, um, the internet. Yeah. When, which, you know, you've got this kind of democratization of the news and, you know, just instant. I mean, I, I was a senior in high school when 9-11 happened, and I remember within days somebody proposing it was some kind of inside job, mm-hmm. right? Um, some Somehow tying it back to like the first Gulf War or something. But I mean, of course, that's just one little thread of this these kind of vast merit, meta-narratives that conspiracy theorists can build. But so for, for Jones, there's the trutherism, which is uh, poisonous and hurtful. Um, and, you know, leads to harassment of people who are just doing their jobs on 9-11, like firefighters and, you know, engineering investigators and stuff like that. Um, I, th- I think two years ago I might have mentioned the popular mechanics guides to debunking those kinds of conspiracy, right. conspiracy theories. They've gone through two editions. They probably need a third by now. Yeah. Just cool. because, again, these things constantly morph. Sorry. Yeah. Go back in your podcatcher if you're still if you're listening and, and listen mm. to those early episodes we did. Um, it was a couple years ago now. I can't remember yeah. the numbers offhand. But uh, there's two episodes we did on conspiracy theories and you'll get some background about that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that's, that's bad enough. But the, the scary thing for me is that trutherism is like so mainstream. I mean, it's, it's, it's as accepted now as like the weirdo theories about the JFK assassination are. Yeah. Um, well, okay. Before I get going on that, uh, well, and let me just interject. Second, oh, oh, go ahead. It becomes marketable, right? In this yes. moment too, right? It becomes like, um, it, the pre- I mean, it's clickbaity now, but it, you can sell books on this topic and, and it becomes in a market driven media environment. This is something I can make money on. Right. And right. so let me stick this template of some false flag. Something's being hidden from the public uh, for some mm-hmm. nefarious purpose. Let me stick it on every event that's major throughout history. This is ultimately what's going to get him trouble in Sandy Hook uh, yes. with the uh, the school shooting, because he basically applies that that truth or template to Sandy hook when you're dealing with the deaths of young children and, and right. it just becomes indefensibly icky, right. To, yeah. uh, to do what he's done there. And that's ultimately what's getting him in trouble now, but um, go ahead. Right. Well, that's what I was about to say is like the second. So the, so the, the big one for conspiracy theorists generally in Jones in particular is nine 11. And then the second big event is Sandy hook, which that's been what, six years of this December, something like that. I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, something like that. Um, and I mean, he's been like flogging the Sandy Hook thing ever since. Uh, won't leave it alone. Um, it's. I mean, I think he helps mainstream the concept of crisis actors. Yes. Uh, which is uh, despicable, uh, just on the face of it. But also, I mean, if you want to deal with it if, with cold rationality, you've got to ask. You know, how do how does the government shunt these people around? How do they pay them? 
how do they also not age? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I've seen people pull pictures from Parkland uh, last year and uh, Sandy Hook and at least a couple of other incidents and say, look, it's the same young woman and all these things. And she's apparently stayed like exactly 21 yeah. over like 10 years <laughs> and doesn't actually look the same. But but anyway, yeah. uh, that's kind of beside the point. But between 9-11 and Sandy Hook, I mean, that's kind of where th- those are sort of the seminal events and i mean he's so i um i I pulled up his twitter account this morning to see if he was still on because he got suspended a little while back which we'll talk about in a minute but like a tweet this morning he's warning about false flags yeah you know it's like everything's a false flag this is a false flag that's a false flag everything is just it's just this like (laughs) domino cascade of false flags that i guess he's constantly on the lookout for and trying to expose and I mean, I guess if they keep happening, we have to wonder about how effective he actually is. Yeah. But um, well, and that's I mean, going so, back to our, an early keywords episode that I did with Varn, um, we talked about gaslighting. And I think mm-hmm. that term is way overused, as I said on that yeah. show. But that's a, a that false flag cry is a, a perfect example of what gaslighting actually is. It's yeah. telling everybody that what you think is true is not actually true. Here's the real truth of the world. And, right. and to sort of in, uh, question someone's own perception of reality. Right. And so right. that's exactly what he's doing to his audience with the false flag stuff. Yeah. And I, I, I haven't actually had a chance to catch up on the, the keywords one yet. So if I, st- if I, try to keep me from uh, stepping no, no. on y'all's toes because no, 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 I, no. I haven't gotten to listen to those I'll yet. just refer back. Um, Cross promotion. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> Intertextuality. <laughs> so, uh, so, so um, 9-11 and Sandy Hook, uh, what finally came down in about the last month and a half um, is, well, I guess we can deal with interpretations later. You could call this the chickens coming home to roost uh, or whatever, but okay, July 24th, um, YouTube moves against him a little bit and takes down several of his InfoWars videos. Um, and uh, one current or one thread that we need to follow through this is that they cite one of the violations of their policies that they cite uh, regards the nebulous phrase hate speech. Mm-hmm. Um, three days later, July 27th, uh, Facebook suspended Jones for 30 days as a warning. Um, and either YouTube or Facebook has a strike system. Okay. Or it's like three strikes you're out. I think I think it was YouTube. They put a strike against his account. Um, Facebook suspended the suspended his account for 30 days and removed the same offending videos as YouTube, and they cited similar reasons, adding to hate speech the also nebulous concept of bullying. Okay. Um, August third, uh, Stitcher right uh, removes all of his podcasts, uh, citing the slightly more established legal grounds of harassment okay and uh kind of inciting or encouraging harassment three days after that this is this is the big one right and (laughs) appropriately for the anniversary of hiroshima this is when all these big media companies or social media groups kind of drop their bomb on Infowars. uh facebook apple youtube and spotify all on the same day uh remove all of jones's Infowars contact uh content um that's apple for uh, his podcast, YouTube for his video channels, uh, Spotify, I guess. Can you stream? I think po- they do uh, podcast podcasts Spotify. Spotify. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I haven't used Spotify in like five years, so I I, I, I'm not sure. Uh, and then, um, Facebook of course is the big one because that's kind of the linchpin of most of these social media platforms. And if, if it doesn't point back to Facebook at some point, it's not really going to go anywhere. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's, that's them really like 
nuking his social media presence. Um, a few days after that, on uh, that, that that's the big one. That's the one that co- uh, caused so much controversy, and the one, the one or two insane people that I'm with friends with on Facebook started, you know, preparing for the uprising. Yeah. Uh, the 13th, uh, Vimeo took down Jones's video content, and the 14th, Twitter suspended him for a week. But as I mentioned a minute ago, he's still on Twitter, and Twitter um, has both taken praise and heat. Yeah. For their kind of continued tolerance and that i mean i think this is kind of the the actual definition of tolerance uh their tolerance of him on their platform but they have been they have they have announced that you know anything that does indubitably violate their legal policies they will remove even if they haven't even if they don't permanently suspend or ban him yeah um so that kind of brings us up to where we are at this point as far as i know he has not been reinstated on any of these platforms uh twitter is kind of his last citadel <laughs> yeah well, I mean, um, he has his own website right and i think a lot yeah. of i think you i've read somewhere where his his traffic to his own website has been obviously going up because that's the only place his fans can can really get there yeah uh, get get their material um outside of twitter as you say i also um, incidentally apparently he had stuff on something called you porn <laughs> And and <laughs> they removed him too apparently. Oh, so, good for them, I guess. I guess. So um, I read an yeah. article about that, and it was that was interesting. Um, uh, I guess yeah. conspiracy theory is a type of porn, and and so I guess that yeah. can make some yeah. sense. So um, I I don't want to know. I've not looked on. <laughs> well, he does me. appear shirtless on his show way too often. <laughs> yes, it's true. I um, guess that I guess that's stimulating for somebody. <laughs> yes. I'm sure the the fish people probably, but um, <laughs> so, um, but we're laughing again. But there is a deep problem. So, yeah. the calls to remove him for certain things he says are legitimate. Like, and so mm-hmm. the when you talked about Stitcher talking about harassment, yes. uh, he is being sued um, by some Sandy Hook families uh, for yes. basically defamation, right? Um, right. And that to me is a legitimate thing to pull somebody for that, like because it's more much more legally defined um, yeah. what's going on and so that to me is um that feels more legitimate it feels mm-hmm. like because all of that happened in one day when apple did it it seemed to just sort of cascade through the rest of the the big players and social media platforms right. um it felt like this was peer pressure more than anything else for them because they can and they had been taking down individual posts that violated something right um, yes. and i think we've all i, I mean uh heard of stories at least of having something removed by facebook because they said it was uh offensive or something like that right yeah um and so uh that makes some sense um right to do it at that well, kind it, of micro level uh it, yes it's a managerial problem for these companies but it's also uh it makes more sense from a kind of free speech uh perspective go ahead yeah well that's what i was what i was just going to say is i mean this for for me this is i mean we were both before the show talking about how just conflicted we are about the whole thing i mean for me it's one thing to believe something erroneous or false about the sandy hook massacre uh it's another to do what jones has been in the habit of doing which is continuously talk up real people who are victims yeah. as either complicit or perpetrators um, because that has resulted in his, you know, myrmidons. I mean, pe- people will just call these people up in the middle of the night. 
uh, harass them, call them baby killers, you know, just kind of stuff like that. I mean, I think two years ago we talked about, uh, you know, this this older gentleman who lived near the Sandy Hook school who, uh, you know, he he heard what was going on and went outside and there were like teachers and students who had been evacuated just milling around in the street. So he brought them inside to like protect them. And, you know, once it was established that everything was kind of secure, he let them go and everything. I mean, he has been harassed continuously mm. since then as, at, you know, people wanting to know what his real involvement was, you know, at, at whatever, whatever of the 1000 <laughs> different variations on the conspiracy is on offer. Right. So, I mean, that, that, that kind of harassment and incitement and again, defamation, which is what he's being sued for. I mean, you could, uh, in, in print, it would be libel, yeah. right? I mean, you have the right to say what you want, but you must suffer the consequences of it. Right. If I, I you, you know, I could walk up to a guy on the street and start describing him to his face you know maybe how ugly he is or what his clothes look like or whatever but if he punches me that's kind of on me yeah <laughs> right um by the same token i guess where this comes comes back to social media is like i can i can write as many crazy editorials as i want to to you know my hometown newspaper but they don't have to publish it yeah um especially if there are consequences that could fall down on them as the purveyors of those opinions um yeah, I, I'm not sure how I got got to that point from what we were talking about, but <laughs> but it, it's it's just this tangle in my mind. I'm not exactly. I'm still. Well, we're so, we're trying yeah, to convince ahead. ourselves of what we think here, right? Uh, on right. some level in this show, and I know that may, may not make for a, a quality yeah. show. I don't know, but um, <laughs> I, I'm finding it thought provoking at least. Yeah. Um. But so one thing I guess that um, one argument for. Uh, I'm just trying to think, break this down into political lines. And of course I'm going to be overstating things and overgeneralizing things, but yeah, your um, broad brush, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, my broad brush, uh, <laughs> coming back on the outside. Brush. Center's on the inside. Broad brush coming back. All right. We're going to bring the broad brush back. And so, um, the, uh, the general liberal take on this, the kind of MSNBC liberal, let's call them that. Okay. Has been, mm -hmm. um, celebratory. Okay. Uh, right. About um, bringing Alex Jones down. This is a, um, uh, uh, reaching of justice of somehow. And, and I, I, I am not there at all with this. I mean, I think that mm -hmm. I get the idea of bringing particular posts down. I get the idea of suing him into oblivion. I think yeah. that, that idea is for the people who he's victimizing. I think he should, uh, we have legal mechanisms that clearly say, I mean, seem to me that he is violating, um, yeah. slander laws, right. And, 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 and that sort of thing and causing, um, he's inciting violence, uh, in some yeah. ways of, in, in his view or listeners and viewers. And so I, that to me is the legal mechanism we already have in place to deal with somebody like Alex Jones. And right. so removing him from our ears, um, the ears that we listen to on YouTube or whatnot, I don't, I'm not that celebratory about it, frankly, mm -hmm. um, it, because I just don't, I, mm, well, I don't know. Uh, so what do you make <laughs> of that idea? I mean, of the idea yeah. of, of the kind of political, you know, whatever. I, I, Okay, I guess maybe I could deal with this chronologically. So August sixth, when the story broke, when that when this actually happened, and it hit the headlines. As much as I despise Jones and his way of thinking about the world and the real world consequences he has brought down on people who have either been minding their own business or been victimized or have even like stepped up to help in crisis situations and are now being treated like evildoers by yeah. these nut jobs. Yeah. 
Um, as much as I despise all of that, when I heard about it, my very first thought was, oh no. Mm. Because if all of these major Silicon Valley companies have apparently coordinated to drop your stuff on the same day at roughly the same time. Yeah. What is that going to look like to Jones and his minions? <laughs> that, that, right? I mean, everything he says is right. <laughs> right. It's a conspiracy. Clearly these, you know, like Mark Zuckerberg and, you know, the, the Google guys and everybody else, you know, they all got together in a room and presumably after drinking the blood of virgins coordinated a day and a time to do this. Right. That's, that's, and that is, that is the reaction that I've seen from some of the slightly more paranoid people that I know, mm-hmm. right. Clear because it, it was clearly coordinated. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And you know, to, and, and I'm, you know, well, we'll, we'll come to exactly what I think about that maybe later, but when, when you're clearly coordinating your efforts against somebody who is looking for that, yeah, that's just going to enable and reinforce their perceptions of everybody being out to get them. Yeah. Um, so no, I, I've, there, there's also a part of me that, that was kind of glad that he got taken down in, in, in this way, but not, well, kind of part of me is kind of glad that his stuff is not available on Facebook. But again, that's, that, that's never been straight up triumphalist. It, it, it's been more like, well, Alex Jones is bad for people. I mean, mm-hmm. it, he, he, he is bad for people's minds. You know, if, if we're talking like virtue ethics, he is a consistently bad choice, you know, that people keep making and are making themselves bad people by listening to him and believing him. So I'm, I'm kind of glad that's been removed. But at the same time, again, I don't like the way it was done. Uh, and the, the stated reasons I feel like are kind of troubling. Um, I, I, you mentioned that earlier a little bit and, and, and I deliberately brought that in when we talked about that kind of timeline of events, but, um, some of the more conservative reactions to it, uh, cause conservatives, re- I mean, I don't want to play the no true Scotsman thing here, but, uh, real conservatives loathe Jones as much as any real <laughs> liberal, right? Cause, uh, he tends to, he tends more toward the right wing, uh, insofar as he's on any wing, yeah, uh, and makes conservatives look bad. So you know, I'm I'm I have had to push back against people who assume that I'm kind of over somewhere near him, just just myself. Uh, but some of the better conservative responses I saw said, you know, good. You know, Jones is bad for people. It's probably good that he doesn't have as much of a platform anymore. Uh, legally, um, all of these companies are within their rights through, you know, because conservatives believe in freedom of association, you know, um, like I'm trying to teach my daughter. She doesn't have to play with the girl who's mean to her at school, you know? Right, right. So, I mean, it, it is well within the rights of Facebook to remove him. Like, like they don't have to host him right. and they have banned plenty of other people before. He just happens to be more high profile. The reasons they state though, um, especially including the idea of hate speech, uh, which is so vague as to be useless. I mean, hate speech, uh, what, uh, <laughs> what's that episode of the office where, uh, Michael Scott claims to have been the victim of a hate crime. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. One of, one of the black employees says that wasn't a hate crime. And Michael says, well, I hated it. <laughs> yeah. like, that's, that's kind of what hate speech means now. It's like speech that I happen to hate. Yeah. Um, Actually, and it's, it's also a form of, um, you know, questioning a person's motives. Nobody can make an argument in good faith anymore. It's like, oh, you're just being hateful. Yeah. You know, well, of course you say that because you're a racist or you're, you know, uh, for, for Jones, it would be you're in the pocket of 
whatever nebulous group he thinks is actually running things. Um, so what they saw, what some of the conservative commentators I listened to talked about, and I think um, I think I heard a podcast about this from Charles C. W. Cook, who's the who is now the online editor of uh, National Review, and Kevin Williamson, who knows a little bit about being deplatformed, right? Um, after getting you know booted from the Atlantic after like two days, right? <laughs> uh, so so I think they had a discussion of it, and it was interesting to hear Cook's perspective because he's English, yeah. Uh, and they don't have the the same kinds of free speech protections that they do in Britain. So his perspective on that is always kind of interesting. Uh, and furthermore, I think when he was just a, a like an intern at National Review, he wrote a really interesting essay about Alex Jones. And I meant to look this up and refresh myself on it, but I, I didn't have time this morning. Uh, but he he talked about traveling across the United States as an Englishman, listening to the radio for hours as he tries to cross Texas and hearing Alex Jones and thinking – you know, how insane, but also the United States really believes in freedom if they let this guy on the air, yeah. you know, like, so I, I totally get that perspective as well. I don't know. Can you feel me like swirling around the drink? Like, well, I, I've been up, going in circles you, again. You set up three things that uh, as, I, as you were talking, I was jotting a few things down. Um, yeah. And so let me actually, while you were talking, I found a clip of Tucker Carlson, um, who <laughs> I'm sure real conservatives hate just as much as I do because he's <laughs> yeah. a, a weenie. But, um, but yeah, um, any, well, anything on Fox News <laughs> at this point. Yeah. But uh, he does. I mean, he brings up a topic from an interesting perspective that I want to address real quick. Let me just real quickly play just the intro to this. Well, the Bill of Rights is a stumbling block on the way to shutting down speech that the left doesn't like, at least in government. But there's a new avenue for those who would like to censor what you say and think, and that's corporations. The left have wised up to this. If you want to stop someone from telling the truth, use companies to do it, the social media giants, and they are. So far, the most prominent casualty of the crusade against free expression has been the radio show host Alex Jones. But are we smart to think censorship will stop with him? Mark Penn is a former advisor to Bill Clinton. He is a liberal who still believes in the free exchange of ideas, and he joins us tonight. So thank you, Mark, for coming on. So I'm fascinated by the Alex Jones story because, because it was Alex Jones. Almost no conservatives rose to his defense because the idea was, well, Alex Jones, ew, yuck. But it's not really about Alex Jones, is it? It's about the idea that companies can make it impossible for your voice to be heard. Is that a precedent we should be comfortable with? Well, I, I really think you have to be worried about big tech becoming big brother. Yes. Okay. And that's, uh, I don't I don't want to play too much of, I don't want to give him too much airtime on my show, but, <laughs> um, but the, a couple points, I mean, just like Alex Jones, there's just enough truth there to make the rest yeah. of the bull crap seem, um, plausible. Okay. Um, yeah, so, there, there's a legitimate <laughs> point buried in all that. Yeah. And, and the, 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 where he goes off the rails is that he's seeing this as an attack on conservatism, right? Yeah. Um, and where, and so I don't think conservatives would claim Alex Jones, at least, you know, conservatives not, of the type that you are, right? right <laughs> you know, not, you not would, a, well, I, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but yeah, not my, not my kind of like Berkey and right, right, old yeah, school yeah, conservative, exactly, right. And so, um, there's that that problem there, but also, um, he's now complaining about free markets, basically, right? Uh, from yeah. a, which is another kind of violation of conservative principle. So <laughs> there's a lot right. of um, a lot of issues there. Although the point that he's making, I actually agree with, and, yeah. and I'm going to get to in a little bit. I want to talk about the main argument that 
liberals will give is, well, this isn't a violation of free speech because this is a private company. They can do whatever they want. Right. I think that's problematic. Uh, yeah. that, that idea is overly simplistic and, and I want to mm-hmm. tease it out in a little bit. Um, that may be the last thing I kind of get to here. Um, yeah. the, the thing about Kevin Williamson that you bring up, I think the distinction right. is that you would expect a, a journal to have some sort of editorial position that it wants to remain too, uh, true to. I wouldn't expect right. Jacobin to uh, to hire <laughs> Kevin Williamson, right? You know what I'm right. saying? Um, right. Because they have a perspective that they're they're getting, and so the Atlantic's readers don't necessarily. I think most of them don't necessarily expect to have fair coverage across the spectrum of political thought, right? right? That's a left-leaning, a fair, I think, uh, I mean, the Atlantic is great, I think, but it's a fair left liberal, or not left liberal, but like main centrist liberal um, publication, right? Yeah, and Um, they, you know, they they are reasonably fair a lot of the time. Uh, David French, who's another conservative that I really like to read, uh, I think Coyle and Ed have mentioned him a lot on City of Man. Yeah. just this last weekend, the Atlantic published a really great essay about adoption by David French. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing with Kevin Williamson, and, and maybe that was a bad example just to bring up offhand, but he he was hired as kind of a diversity hire. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, they they were looking to create some sort of forum. I think on their website of like two or three people of each basic political stripe. That's fair. Uh, enough, and then, then. it was okay. so, so the way it was framed occasionally that I heard was sort of like. You know, conservative hired to be conservative, fired for being conservative. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and that's actually that. fair. Okay, that's fair. And yeah. so he was fired because he something that he wrote that people didn't like. I can't remember yeah. what the and it was, it, it was a yeah, not not to get too far out in the weeds. It had something to do with like an offhand satirical point he made about like because he doesn't believe in the death penalty. Okay, uh, but he made some sort of joke about people who want to institute the death penalty for women who have abortions or something like that yeah, that's right which taken out of context because i remember that, yeah that's that's not the first time that that story broke uh and he actually addressed it a couple of times on his old podcast but that that's kind of neither here nor there for for talking about jones but that um, is a good point i mean that's a good rebuttal to what i said because i mean if the point was to have this small forum within the right. atlantic of what they were considering to be reasonable conservatives um, from from their perspective, of course, um, then that is more that is a little bit closer to what we're talking about here, I guess, than right. I thought. Um, but the last thing I wanted to bounce off um, by this is another concern I have. And this is so there's a conspiratorial perspective on this um, that, you know, this is just verifying all the conspiracy theories that Alex Jones has ever perpetuated right and his audience already kind of is prone to believe in these things and so the problem there's a practical problem with this okay and by deplatforming them from these kind of public these you know the the main commons of of social media thought right what you're really doing is pushing it into these marginal spaces where it's Mm -hmm. going to fester and then become like real world problems it, it it takes on physical form after it festers in these small um yeah. small forums i'm thinking of like the rise of the alt right here which intersects with alex jones quite heavily yes. but those things those people <laughs> those things those 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 folks <laughs> um those people um were um uh 
kind of pushed into places like 4chan and then 4chan pushed them to 8chan. You know what I mean? And so you have mm-hmm. these kind of, uh, of smaller and smaller enclaves and then people become like militant and, and militarized by these by these thoughts, right? So right. I honestly think you're probably doing more harm um, by excluding this kind of thought from mainstream um discourse then you are actually solving a problem um, yeah and that, that's sort of i mean i get the idea that and we talked about this in the cultural marxism episode that was a very fringy conspiracy theory anti-semitic conspiracy theory uh, that in 90s folks like pat buchanan start to mainstream and then it becomes like something that regular people can talk about right um, mm-hmm. even though it has this very vitriolically protocols of the elders of zion conspiratorial route right um but it becomes mainstream because of um because of its it's allowed to kind of join mainstream discourse so i get yeah. that point but i think that's still better than pushing it to the mar- to pushing it into these little corners yeah yeah i mean this kind of maybe maybe this is on my mind because i'm right now designing a class on technology and culture but but this uh this kind of calls into the into question the whole internet because it's like you know if if Alex Jones is on Facebook, he can reach literally billions of people, right? People who may never never have otherwise encountered him in his particular brand of intellectual suicide. Yeah. Um, but but at the same time, if you force them out of those kinds of forums, they can still metastasize, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's almost like a damned if you do damned if you don't right because in one place they'll do a certain kind of damage in another place to do a different kind of damage um yeah, yeah I, I really don't know well when i was in grad school this is sort of you know the mid 2000s and this is the time in which sort of new media is still kind of sexy i guess in the humanities <laughs> um you have this the digital humanities was first being talked about as the next big thing right and and who knows where that is i'm I've kind of withdrawn from all that stuff. (laughs) It doesn't affect my life, frankly. I'm teaching composition and a few great crazy genre novel classes, right? And so, um, but the, um, um, but the, the bigger idea was back then you had this very kind of, again, celebratory idea of democratizing discourse with the internet, Mm -hmm. with the rise of the internet and these social media platforms. And I think that that kind of, I, I guess, liberal intellectual, foresaw that the everything was going to be the Arab Spring. Like the, the Twitter <laughs> became this kind of uh, vehicle to kind of create rebellion in, in uh, totalitarian countries, right? Right. And so they thought that's what all this was going to be used for. And I always thought that that seemed really naive at the time. Yeah. Like for A, probably what's going to be used with this is just porn will be easier to get to because that's what the internet is for, right? Um, <laughs> um, there was I remember there was a uh, an episode of, uh, what was that show? That doctor show scrubs um, and Dr. <laughs> Cox said, I just remember him saying that one thing I do know is that if they took down all the porn sites off the internet, there'd be one site left called www.bringbacktheporn.com. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, I mean, ultimately I do think that that's a, uh, um, a big part. We're just, if our desires don't get changed, the technology yeah. is just going to accent- accentuate what we're already really interested in. Um, right. So that's one thing. But the second thing is, 
they didn't foresee that those gatekeepers also kept out crap, right? Um, it didn't just keep out good ideas. It kept out garbage, right? Mm-hmm. And so what we're left with now are those same people freaking out about the thing that they were so celebratory about 10 years, 15 years ago, right? And right. so um, I feel like there was a naivete about what the internet and all this kind of decentering and all this kind of democratic, you know, this kind of, I don't know, like uh, – fairy tale democracy talk you know what i'm saying yeah, uh, yeah. And, and and so and i think what we're seeing now is the 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 result of that so yeah you were all for this for the arab spring and now alex jones is doing the same thing with crazy people right and so yes, yeah. um <laughs> i i don't know i don't have a point it's just an observation there no no i think that's right i i, I think i said something about virtue ethics earlier i mean you know the more of alex jones you get the more it's like training your desires and, and your worldview in a very particular and fundamental way. And people who, I mean, I mean pe- people are going to go for that in some mode or not, you, you know, or other, if, if, uh, what, what's to, to borrow that old phrase, right? If Alex Jones didn't exist, we would have had to invent him. Yeah. <laughs> right. If it wasn't him, it'd be somebody else. Exactly. Right. Because that's kind of where we are as a culture. And I, I when we were first introducing the topic of the show, I mean, you know, the kind of suspicion, the suspicion of anything secret, anything that's not totally open to the public, uh, that the, the, you know, that kind of hermeneutic of suspicion, uh, the, just the, the unwillingness to believe that something boring is true. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, it, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald shot JFK. Yeah. That's boring. But that is, in fact, what happened, you know, and ra- rather than, you know, populating the whole, you know, all of <laughs> Dallas that day with, you know, you know, groups of Teamsters and mafiosi and, you know, the CIA and various, you know, a cabal of high ranking generals and all these other people gunning them down like that, may, you know, it's much more elaborate. It speaks much more to that kind of like paranoid and suspicious mind. Yeah. But it is yeah. false. You know, it, we have as a culture. It, to some extent, and we're all guilty of this, we've got to learn to value the true over the over the the, the exciting. Yeah, and that, um, Dupin actually says this in that story. It's like accidents actually do happen, and you just have to factor that in. Yeah, uh, and coincidences do exist, right? Uh, but yes. a, a conspiratorial mind has to attach meaning to every little right. thing, right? And it has to be right. part of some other master plan, um, right? I, I, so. I know we, I want to wrap up in like 10 minutes here. Um, and so let's, um, move to another rebuttal about this kind of liberal idea. Well, this is just, um, a private company doing what it's in, it has every right to do. Okay. That is absolutely true. And, and yeah. what I want to say is I don't think that's absolutely good. I, I think that that's, right. that's no less totalitarian, totalitarian in potential, potentially no less totalitarian than some government. Um, censoring speech. Okay. Right. Um, and, and so I, I, to me that the idea that um, if Facebook decides it's bad for their business, then they can take Alex Jones off. What else is going to be bad for their business given what we can do to popular opinion? Right. Um, right. And, and so that's one thing. And I, just a, a quick personal story here. I recently did a show with Ed Simon on the whole Russiagate thing. Um, mm-hmm. Go back, I don't know, seven or eight episodes probably. And, uh, and you'll find that one. And it was nothing. I didn't, we didn't violate any terms of service for any, any platform or anything like that. And I put it up on face on the show's Facebook page, which if you don't like the Facebook page, you should, uh, and you'll get, <laughs> you'll get this kind of thing. And so 
the they, it was getting enough clicks that Facebook said, we'll give you a $30 free um, promotional um, coupon here to promote this ad. Um, just fill out this stuff. And so I started filling this stuff out. And then I got this pop-up that said that my page has not been approved to, to promote um, political speech. Okay. And, <laughs> and so, and I couldn't figure out how to, how to get past that gate. Right. There was, right. I couldn't figure out what button to click to make it happen. And frankly, I didn't care because I didn't think it was going to matter anyway. And so, uh, and it didn't cost me anything. And so, but yeah. the idea is why, I mean, <laughs> I, I, that, that was made it personal for me, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so how much of our freedom are we giving over to market forces? So here I'm making a quite leftist argument here. I think that by putting by making the needs of capital basically central to what gets disseminated that is no less totalitarian and it's exactly what a marxist would have predicted would happen with capitalism right mm. Um, so I'm, I'm not putting that opinion on you, but I think you might <laughs> you might share the same perspective on it though right even if yeah. not for the same reasons yeah, I would come at it probably from a different angle. I actually, I actually had something jotted down. I wanted to mention in this in in this regard. So like, it's real easy to dogpile Alex Jones, which I've been trying to avoid doing. But it's it's very hard to stay away from words like despicable and disgusting. Yeah. You know, he's horrible. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a terrible person, and he shares terrible, and I think worse, untrue ideas yeah, but he's a function um, of capitalism because that stuff was marketable right i mean he right. was himself uh, making uh, money off of uh, the, the conspiracy theories so those conspiracy theories are a result now of the same processes that we're using to squash conspiracy theories right so go, go, <laughs> right it, it's right all ahead. it's all tangled up in itself <laughs> so uh, um a couple of weeks ago actually a couple of months ago now i think i was on um in politic podcast. Oh, I with, listened to uh, that one. Yeah. That's a yeah, good show, with, uh, by the way. You guys should listen to that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. It's not in the Christian humanist radio network. It, it is really good though. Go check it out. Um, it, it's very much on the model of uh, city of man. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got a libertarian and a socialist who talk, but it, it is very different in style from yeah. city of man. They uh, swear. So I was on there with uh, Paul, <laughs> yeah. the libertarian who I actually went to college with. And, um, we talked about this, which was uh, okay. This this article came out on the American Conservative on June sixth, so two months before um, Jones got taken down, and it's by the creator of the Babylon Bee. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, so the title is "When the Content Police Came for the Babylon Bee," and it's about these. It, he kind of tells his own story of starting the Babylon Bee, which was interesting because uh, I really didn't know anything about the guy who ran the thing. I just enjoyed the the, the fake articles and everything. But uh, he re- he retells this incident in which he kind of found himself embroiled with kind of this content police action on Facebook as a result of uh, an obviously joke article mm-hmm. from the Babylon Bee in which, uh, you know, there's this Photoshop picture of giant industrial sized washing machines with like major news companies logos on them talking about how, you know, like CNN had added a new industrial size like washing machine to spin the news, haha, <laughs> which is almost like a throwaway joke. It's, it's, it's amusing, but not even necessarily like funny, but, uh, somebody submitted it to Snopes. Snopes apparently didn't think it was obvious enough of a joke that they actually created an article to clarify that. No, 
CNN does not, in fact, put the news in a washing machine on the spin cycle. And that got bounced back to Facebook. Uh, and so he was actually threatened with being demonetized, possibly. Uh, I can't remember everything that they went through, but it, it went back and forth for quite a while over this really dumb joke, right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, it's real easy to dogpile Alex Jones, but then you get somebody like, you know, Adam Ford, who's just a guy doing kind of, a, again, a kind of evangelical onion. Um, really funny, uh, amusing a lot of the time, at least, uh, unless you take jokes too personally, I think pretty inoffensive, Mm. um, just there to, to, to be, to be humorous, but he was even kind of threatened with shutdown along the same lines that Facebook eventually brought against someone who's obviously poisonous like Jones. Which, to your point, is kind of raising that question. Like, okay, like I do believe in freedom of association. Uh, companies should be able to do what they want with their platforms. Again, if I was a newspaper editor, I wouldn't publish every crazy anti-Semite's rant sure. that came into my letters to the editor section. But if I owned all the newspapers, right, I would be in a very different position. Um, yeah. And oh, the point. social media companies, and this is a, this is something he brings out in this article about the Babylon Bee. Uh, well, I guess I guess more kind of a testimonial because it's, it's it's his personal perspective. Uh, you know, when you've got Google, Facebook, and you know, kind of the odd man out, like the little guy, but Snopes, mm-hmm. all three of them kind of triangulated against you. What can you possibly do about it? Yeah, uh, they're not elected. They're not. You know, it, it, they they do to a very real extent control a lot of the access to particular kinds of information. So, I mean, I'm, I'm fixing to publish a book. Uh, you know, if I, I've got a Facebook page and my own personal website, um, if for whatever reason somebody decided that I needed to be deplatformed, if they hit Google and Facebook, I would basically cease to exist as far as the Internet's concerned. Yeah. Um, which, again, is not. You're not going to jail, right? Yeah. So there's, right. you don't it's, have that kind of punitive um, aspect of violating free speech but your livelihood is then compromised yes. right because right. of i mean well, not just your livelihood i don't want to just even limit it to your ability to make money but your right. ability to just be who you are is, right. is somehow like reduced because of the demands of capital right uh, you yes. know yes. That's, I'm, I'm again or, going back or, there uh, but, uh, and even i mean if i mean i guess you could turn it into an economic equation but i mean it uh capital or just peer pressure right yeah. ha- having the correct opinions about things. Yeah. Um, and you know, there, you could maybe, we probably don't have time to open this can of worms, but you know, the, the, uh, that baker in Colorado, sure. right. Who didn't want to custom design a particular kind of cake for a gay wedding. And you know, now his incorrect opinion about a particular thing is potentially damaging his business and costing him thousands of dollars in legal fees. Right. Yeah. Um, that there you're almost actually getting into criminal territory. Yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of the movers and shakers in that are, you know, working through social media to enact stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I tend to see politics as kind of secondary to what's happening in the culture anyway. Mm. I mean, there's a, there's a chicken and egg relationship, sure. obviously, but I mean, kind of like what we said earlier until people's desires change, I don't see an easy solution to, to this scenario we've gotten ourselves into yeah. it. You know, it's, it's almost like, you know, when I teach history 202 U S history two, uh, people fretting about the monopolies on shipping that the railroad companies had, 
you know, now we've almost got kind of media monopolies on the control of the flow of information. We do. Um, and, you know, most people are going to go to Facebook for, you know, almost like their first, you know, Facebook and Google are going to be their first avenues of investigating about anything. Yeah. So if those are, I don't want to use the word weaponized because that's such a dumb buzzword. Y'all should do an episode on the word weaponized. Uh, <laughs> well, I was going to add actually um, hate speech to our keywords list. Um, after, yeah. after you mentioned it, and I'll put weaponize on there as well. Okay, yeah, go ahead. weaponize. Is, I, th- I think weaponize just got popularized by Batman Begins, which was <laughs> like an okay use of it. But now everybody you talks about weaponizing everything, which is ridiculous. We just have no uh, imagination as a culture. We can only have to yeah. use the same word over and over. It's, uh, we're like we're like an entire country of the dude. Yeah. From Lebowski, right? We can only repeat phrases we hear earlier in the movie. Exactly. Get this will not stand, it. man. <laughs> yeah. No. And also, yeah. I want to say that the way I've been thinking about this media monopoly then um, and it's not a technical monopoly since there are like Google right. and Facebook and Apple are all different companies, but right. they're, they are housed next door to each other in a very small part of the country with a very mm-hmm. tight little cultural perspective that yes. is both, you know, sort of culturally liberal. And I mean, it's almost libertarian, I guess, in its philosophy because it's very much for like market solutions to everything. Yeah. It um, doesn't, yeah, it doesn't map onto any. I mean, I, I've, I've had problems with the left-right paradigm for a long time Yeah. because there are some things that just don't map easily onto this, like, kind of just linear graph. But uh, the Silicon Valley types definitely don't because, yeah. I mean, their priorities are extremely progressive. Yeah. But their methods are not well, very and this, often. And this is what I'm saying. I feel like this is a yeah. – I'm going to go back to the sort of leftist perspective on it, the materialist perspective on it here. But this is – capital then using liberal values to further the needs of capital to make to increase profit i mean that's 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 to me the process i see going on here okay and 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 i'm not i i know that you don't see the world from those perspectives and so (laughs) no i'm I'm, I'm not those of you who are listening necessarily (laughs) disagree with your point i'm just thinking of how maybe i would frame it yeah you would put it yeah go ahead totally different vocabulary and and a different kind of set of assumptions about how the world like works right but we can agree on what the problem is anyway we see the problem in the same way uh and and also I, i would say though that um what I see with these companies now are basically public utilities. Okay. These are less private companies at this point. And so I was t- telling to a friend of mine, say that I am some political, I'm not very, I'm not politically active. I don't really, you know, <laughs> I'm not like an organizer, but if I were and I had terrible politics and I'm using the phone to organize yeah. people to further my terrible politics, how do we feel about the phone company cutting off my service because of that? Yeah. Would we be okay with that? Um, because I think that's almost analogous to what's going on here with this deplatforming of idiots like Alex Jones, right? Yeah. Um, and so, well, that, and yeah. that kind of brings that freedom of association idea kind of back into the mix because, you know, like, uh, you know, freedom of association, I think, is, is a legitimate concern, but it has been used as a cover for racism before, yeah. for instance. Right. So I, as a hotel, simply don't want to associate with black customers, maybe. Exactly. Right. Uh, that's that's why you have things like the, the, the uh, you know, the various civil rights acts and the voting rights acts and things like that. So that that's man. Yeah, that's a that's a an additional wrinkle to it, because, you know, Facebook is not a hotel. Yeah. It's not exactly a phone company. I mean, it's, 
I mean, it's our version of yeah, that, though. I mean, yeah. Right. Uh, I, I've never had a landline since yeah. I moved out of my parents' house, right? Like, it's, it's weird. We actually a just... A cell phone and social media. Just yesterday, we upgraded our cable, and they just gave us a free phone number, too. Uh, so this is the first time in years that I've had a landline. But um, I don't wow. even know what how to dial out of one of those many words. But, um, but actually, I found... Uh, and this is not just you know, you know, people in, what, in my political persuasion that are making these claims. Uh, I found a Huffington Post article in which the ACLU is calling this worrisome, right? This this banning yeah. of Alex Jones. And I love or hate the ACLU. They do, I mean, defend people that they don't like, right? You know, yeah. and so, I mean, I think that they, they have done really stupid things, but they've also protected speech for people that, you know, aren't kosher uh and from their worldview and so um I'll, I'll put up a couple links of some articles i found about this jordan i i really uh i i know that we want to you know make this one around an hour today yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it looks like we did it actually so um i really am grateful for you i again i don't yeah. have an answer to this uh, the, i guess yeah, I, the answer i have is i'm uncomfortable enough with this i wish they had left him on and just removed individual posts that violated terms of services. Yeah. That is something that is more kind of manageable, I think, in yeah. terms of maintaining the platform's, you know, integrity as well as the needs for public uh, freedom of speech, right? That to yeah. me is the way I wish they had gone. I get wanting Alex Jones out of your ecosystem. Like I, I totally right. get that. If I ran one of those things, I would not be comfortable um perpetuating his conspiracy theories yeah. but um yeah I, th I think i basically agree with all of that it, it kind of the twitter approach that we talked about earlier where yeah. it's like yeah you can be on here but we're going to be watching and if you violate our terms in like concrete ways mm -hmm. we'll nix those posts which i think i think is a better precedent than kind of invoking this vague very ideologically loaded kind of semi-legal concept like hate speech which can be twisted in so many different directions yeah yeah we'll put um, that on the keywords list I'll, I'll, I'll swing that one by varn and see what he comes up with so yeah um yeah so jordan i really do appreciate you taking the yeah. time out um this was a Thanks great conversation <laughs> um I, i'll have you on soon enough to do the john birch thing eventually we'll talk about something non-conspiratorial in nature yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, for now I, I do appreciate your insight uh you, you're oh, a yeah. great source to go to this uh and someone whose opinion i respect so uh oh, jordan Poss. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. If you had something that you uh, found you wanted to respond to I mean, what we said today, by all means, go to the Facebook page. Go to iTunes. I do have a Twitter account. Um, I've not been deplatformed. And so please do uh, let us know what you think and, and spread the word about the show. Um, um, the algorithm isn't going to save us by itself. We need uh, public uh, public support as well. So instead of signing up for a Patreon account, just like share a post on your Facebook page. That, that, that's what you could do for me. So, um, Everybody, my name is Danny Anderson, thanking you again for joining us for an episode of the Sectarian Review Podcast. Jordan Poss, thank you for joining us all as well. Oh